Hello, everybody, and welcome back to this week's edition of the About to Review podcast. I'm your host, as always, that guy named John. Make sure to follow, rate, subscribe, and review the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. It is About to Review, listed on Blueberry, Stitcher Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, everywhere we can find it. You can also stream the episodes directly from the website, abouttoreview.com. Make sure to follow the podcast on social media, at About to Review, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well as you can support the show by clicking the Amazon link in the subscription in the subscription below in the description <laughs> below uh yeah on today's episode uh, I'm joined via the phone because we just got out of a screening and we both wanted to head home uh, by Tim Hall the people's critic uh, yes we definitely had to go home and process this film we just watched <laughs> this Oscar <laughs> contender <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, so on this oh, week's man. episode, we're actually going to be talking about uh, four different movies uh, that are all in theaters right now. They're going to be A Quiet Place, Beirut, Ready Player One, and the, the aforementioned episode or aforementioned movie that we just saw, which is Rampage. Yes. So yeah. before we get to all of the reviews and the geek news on this episode... Uh, we will get into the original theme song created by Damon Randall of Ill-Mannered Media. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Tim, first, welcome to the show. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's good to be back <laughs> on the show. Uh, last, I was on last week. I was on the, la- uh, the last episode last week. You were, which, again, was just so awesome uh, that it was able to be recovered. We got some great feedback from it. Uh, a lot of people reached out and said that, yeah, they just really liked it, and they were also glad that it was able to be recovered, like the Ark of the Covenant. There you go. Uh, without melting anyone's faces, like the Ark of the Covenant. Don't don't do that. No, not so much. Uh, And also, this week, uh, I tried to get to it last week, but stuff kind of got crazy. Uh, This Friday will be the episode of About to Interview with Mike and Laura Allred and Phil Lamar from Emerald City Comic Con 2018. So, that'll be this week. I wanted to drop it last week, but yeah, stuff got crazy. Uh, So, right off the top of the show... The, the geek news for this week, uh, just a couple quick items, one of which being Black Panther continues mm-hmm. to not only break records, but create records, and there's just no stopping this movie. The latest piece of news about Black Panther is that for the first time in 35 years, a foreign film will be shown in a major theater in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. This is crazy. a <laughs> this is a huge deal and it is because well one of the reasons is that AMC just opened a new theater in Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia and it is one of the only new theaters around. Mm. So and it sounds crazy from the descriptions because it is Saudi Arabia so the bathrooms have marble accents 
Uh, the seats are all leather. Wow, that is not my AMC theater. New. No. <laughs> that is not the AMC theater for a lot of people. <laughs> so yeah, AMC is opening a brand new theater in Saudi Arabia. The first movie they're showing is Black Panther. They're also going to be showing Infinity War. Oh, wow. Yeah, like this is massive. And apparently when I was doing some research on this, so there are, just like anything, when you kind of ban art or when you ban a lot of things, there will always be groups that find a way to continue doing that. So apparently there are some smaller theaters in Saudi Arabia that managed to get some copies of other movies and they show them. Unfortunately, last year, they showed the Emoji Movie. Of all of the movies that came out last year, that was one that people got a chance to see in Saudi Arabia. Oh, Well, you know, if you don't get to see them, I guess it's not all bad. I mean, 35 years without a major foreign movie release in the country is is a pretty huge deal. So, Black Panther is crushing it. I think right now it is up to like 1.2 billion yeah. Worldwide. So, pretty crazy. They did also announce that the DVD and Blu-ray and 4K is coming out May 15th. And yeah. it will be available on digital May 8th. Wow. So, yeah. just a few weeks away. Uh, what I'm probably going to do around that time is get a couple extra copies of the DVD and do some giveaways uh, for those. So, definitely stay tuned for that. Uh, so that was the first bit of geek news. Second part, Game of Thrones. You know, that little indie darling on HBO. Yeah. Uh, they just finished wrapping a 55-day battle scene. Yeah. I can imagine so. It's probably the White Walker 5 scene. I it has to be. Because with... I mean, Well, spoiler alert for anybody who is not caught up. But so last year... Or actually, not even last year, two seasons ago, the mm-hmm. Battle of the Bastards episode took, I think, like 22 days to film. Right. And when you watch that, nothing like that had been done on TV before. Game of Thrones is continually doing things that we have never seen on yeah, TV. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't have like a TV budget. It's kind of unfair. Like, it's got like, a massive budget. <laughs> like, and, and all the freedom to do stuff on HBO, so it's not like under the same sort of restraints as other TV shows. So, we, of course, we haven't seen that on TV before. It's not like NYPD Blue was having these massive... NY- you go to NYPD Blue? I'm saying, like, you know wow. what I mean? Like, <laughs> Talk or, about a washed or, reference. Sheesh. Or NCIS or any of these shows have... Or Picket Fences yeah, or, you know, anything you know, else from, the, from 1993. Any, any, anything like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, so it, it is pretty crazy. So, a 55-day shoot, which... I mean, that is 11 weeks. There are movies that wrap production as far as filming in around that time. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it it is going to be crazy. It was shot on three different locations. So I just, I cannot wait. But we have to wait until like 2019, which is stupid. It's all right. I'd rather wait and have it be great than have them rush out and not be good. True. I'd rather wait for my my final season to be something that's, you know, lives up to the hype. So Ugh, I'm, take I just, their time. I hope they take their time. I just am not ready for it to be the final season, but yeah, it'll be over. It'll be fine. It'll yeah. be something else to watch. Well, Westworld, luckily. 
from Westworld. Yeah, which is back very soon. Very soon, and I, I cannot wait for for season two. Yeah, they're going to dive Westworld. deep into the samurai world, the Shogun season. world. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited for that. And that was one of the things where, like, I mentioned it, oof, like over a year ago, was season one, where as soon as in one of the later episodes, slight spoiler alert, but one of the later episodes when a couple characters are way out in the middle of nowhere and you see these kind of creatures, you see these men kind of come out of nowhere and they have these huge broadswords. As soon as I saw that, I was like, okay, next season, they're going to introduce either medieval world or something like that. And then the last episode you see a samurai and then the, I forget which employee was like, uh, we don't have time to talk what about that. that. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it was. So. Yeah. Oh, no. So, yeah. They were, when they were walking, uh, was it May? That's what I heard through. We saw it. Something like that. Yeah. And it was, I mean, it was super quick. You just saw a samurai suit of armor and they were like, what's that? And he was like, uh, we don't have time. Gotta go. So Shogun World, I am all on board for that. So, yeah. So, I mean, we will have stuff to wet our palate before the Game of Thrones comes back with its final season but after hearing that of the 55 day 55 night shoot is what it specifically said before the instagram post was quickly deleted by one of the the director of photography of the show so yeah hyped about that so that was the geek news for this week just a couple quick things uh and we'll get right into the reviews so the first movie we are going to talk about uh, is A Quiet Place. So, Tim, oh. set this one up for us. I just saw this movie on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, a Quiet Place uh, takes place sometime in the near future where there's been an alien invasion, and the aliens react to sound, and they kind of kill every- anything that's making a noise. Mm-hmm. So it's been killing off the human population, and the, the family that we-, we sort of dropped into the story with are the Abbott family, and it's... Uh, I forgot John Krasinski's name, but it's him and Emily Blunt, his his real life uh, wife. Lee, Lee Abbott and Evelyn Abbott. Yeah, because they don't use any names because they're all sign mm-hmm. language. So uh, it's it's the married couple and their three kids mm-hmm. uh, who uh, are, are living sort of out in this farmland. And they've got this whole routine about how to keep quiet uh, and how to stay away from, you know, whatever these crazy aliens are. Um, one of their daughters is their daughter is deaf, mm-hmm. and so played by um, Millicent Simmons. Millicent Simmons, she's great in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, she's the annoying teenager. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so, uh, her, her her dad's working on a hearing aid for her, and he's also got this weird bunker where he's like trying to figure out what these aliens are and what mm-hmm. the weaknesses are and how to defeat them. Um, and then uh, Emily Blunt is pregnant, which is. You know, in a, in a, a space where you can't make noise, being pregnant sounds like a death sentence. Yeah, I yeah that that what I mean, and it is hard to say plot hole because it is not a plot hole; it is a plot device. But again, in this type of future, and they have been living like this for a few years. This is not something that she was eight months pregnant and then the aliens showed up. No, it, it had been a little over a year. Yeah, so they were dropped into her like pregnant. It had been a little over a year, so she probably got pregnant like after a year, right? Which, oof, that is, <laughs> you know, not the smartest decision no. in, in, in in that in that environment. But you know, you know, as the movie progresses, we realize they have they they planned for this, mm-hmm. uh, which was kind of smart to see. 
It was yeah, smart, so was but also a terrifying kind of mechanism by which they wanted to keep the baby quiet. I mean, yeah. Is it terrifying? No. I guess. I what? terrifying. Like how, how to keep the baby quiet? I mean, yes. It was terrifying. It was smart. Uh, yes. I think it was terrifying. It was, yeah. I mean, it, I mean again, it, it fit within the world, but it was just kind of, it was just heartbreaking. To, to kind of see the lengths at which they had to to go to ensure the safety. Um, one thing that I, I wanted to ask before we got too much more into it is, what do you think has been the catalyst for this resurgence of horror films being mainstream? Because when you think about some of the, the classic movies from the different decades, horror yeah. films are a big part of that. Things like The Exorcist. Yeah. Poltergeist, Jaws, Halloween. Yeah, Halloween, the Universal Studios monsters. Like, all of those were horror films. Mm-hmm. But I felt like it kind of died down for a long time. So, what do you think has been this research? I, I don't know if they've died down. I just think they've gotten smarter about how to make them. And I think it's less it's less of a, of a joke. Mm hmm. Especially after, and we're going to see, you know, with The Quiet Place and with Get Out last year and what, what Blue Mouse is doing. Um, I think they're less looked frowned upon. So you're getting, you know, better actors, uh, something like Don't Breathe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, these movies that are really smart. And so you're getting better directors, better writers, better actors doing these films. And so they feel a little bit more mainstream. Uh, so you're getting different people trying to tackle them. Because, you know, when you look at the Saw movies, essentially it's pretty much like nameless, faceless people getting... Yeah getting dismembered <laughs> mm-hmm. right that's in the most than, graphic way yeah. possible and that that's the appeal not necessarily the story right but something even something as crazy as the purge like the backdrop is this very political story about sort of exterminating poor people mm-hmm. and finding a way to, and the government finding a way to do it um and le- by legalizing you know violence for this time period legalizing so, yeah everything <laughs> yeah so wrapped wrapped in wrapped around that whole ridiculousness of the purge is a, a story about you know what the government's doing to sort of rid itself of of, of the, the least of us as, mm-hmm. as they would like to call it so you know these movies you know are horror films have always been a, a place where you could tell these really really interesting stories um, so we're seeing some of that now. When t- when taken seriously, you get something like the Quiet Place, a Quiet Place where it's a little more serious and mm-hmm. a little more interesting, um, and yeah. be, and you, you can be the stories that can be a little. I mean, here's the thing: we all know, like I can't, I can't necessarily tell you what makes you laugh, but like we all understand fear. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, and on it, some level, so <laughs> and it might be a different. Into that. Yeah, it might be a different type of fear. Some people. Mm-hmm. You know, it is the jump scares. Some people, it is you know the the soundtrack or the score. But yeah. fear is universal. Comedy right. is not. <laughs> right, but even horror movies do crazy stuff. Like even in a, in a Quiet Place, something as beautiful as the birth of a child is mm-hmm. the most frightening thing you're watching in this film. Yeah, <laughs> right. You're, you're like, this should be a beautiful moment, and you're like, I'm so terrified for her right now that she has to give birth, and just an alien like that's coming her way literally steps away and yeah that was something that i was watching some behind the scenes stuff with uh john krasinski who was one of the writers uh, along with brian woods and scott beck but he also directed it you know and when he talked about directing his wife emily blunt in this terrifying 
and brutal scene that again like it is part of the trailers it is in the marketing it is on the poster and he talked about how he felt more comfortable directing her because they have two daughters together and so he trusted her you know in that moment to be like i have been with her physically while she has actually delivered birth right here she is going through these motions and this immensely emotional time while an alien is steps away. And so that moment is so incredibly powerful that you see Emily Blunt to me stole the show in this movie because it relies so much on her actions and her expressions. I mean, she was really tremendous in this movie. Yeah. I thought everybody was really good in it. Um, and I thought it was really more intense than it was scary. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Nothing super over the top happens. It's just a very tight story that reveals a bigger world around them, right? There's other people who are living in that area um, that kind of, through through newspaper clippings, you kind of get a sense of what's been happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they don't really blow the world out any farther than that. It's a really contained story just about a family trying to survive in this horrific situation and trying to find a way out and mm-hmm. then trying to trying to find a way once once they have this child like how do we then survive and just the the depths at which families go or parents go to protect their family yeah. i mean yeah. he has safeties and redundancies and so yeah. many different levels of mm-hmm. security you know be that as it may because he recognized like okay in this world that we are living in this is what it takes to protect my family. Right. Yeah. One thing that was, I thought was fascinating with this movie. This was one of the most captivating movies I have seen in a really long time. And by that, I mean when the movie is silent, which it is for long, long periods of the film, a very minimal score. There were people that were frozen in our theater and you could mm-hmm. feel that group tension. <laughs> One of our buddies, Mike Ward, uh, from the Seattle Film Critics Society and Should I See It uh, dot com, was sitting next to me, and you know he was munching on his popcorn. You know while the movie was going on, he reached his hand in, pulled his hand out, and just was frozen for like sixty seconds with what was going on on screen. He did not want to move. He did not want to be the one that made a sound. That to me was such a huge success in this film that it just made everybody in that theater that uncomfortable. But, and you could just feel it. It was just palpable. I don't even know if it's uh, uh, in my theater, at least it wasn't really an uncomfortableness. I think the way the story structure is sort of this paralyzing feeling you have, mm-hmm. like you don't want to make noise. Right. You feel like <laughs> you feel like it's somehow going to get somebody killed in the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you're kind of just quiet. And that's the beauty of the story. It really sucks you in and you're, you're along this journey uh, with this family and you're, you know, you're seeing things like that, that, that scene in the corn maze where it's the alien and the, and the daughter mm-hmm. and they both are sort of, sort of Oof. like two ships passing in the night. Uh, but it's really interesting and it's not mm-hmm. a scary scene. It's just very tense. And yeah, incredibly tense. And that was one of the things is the sound design with this movie was a character in and of itself. The uh, way that yeah. when the rest of the family you know, when they would be on camera and they would be signing to each other or very, very softly speaking to each other and would pan over to their daughter, uh, Regan, played by Millicent Simmons, who the actress is deaf as well as her character. 
when the camera would go to her, the sound design shifted and it would be right. almost flat. Right. Like those are just such clever ways to really, again, just draw you in and make you feel like, again, if you are in the theater and you make a noise, aliens are going yeah. to come after you. Right. right. So like, it was just yeah. such a clever way to do that. And a very awesome creature design for the aliens too. I really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. It looked really freakish, a lot of teeth. Um, I'm yeah. glad they showed them, you know, because part of it was like, oh, are they ever going to show the aliens? Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, but they actually showed them. You get a, you get some real up close moments with the aliens. That, so a really cool creature design, really fun aliens. You know, yeah. some of my favorite designs in a long time. For sure. And that was something that when we came out of the theater for the screening and I was talking to the studio rep, um, I said that it reminded me very, very much so of some of the Oats Studios work that Neil Blomkamp has been doing the past couple of years. And I actually meant to kind of reach out to him and ask if they had anything to do with it because it was very similar, very just visceral creature design, which the teeth are one thing, but when the camera kind of zoom in closer and get into some of the inner workings, yeah, like that really shows that they put a lot of work into that. It was not just going to be something where you see a hand or you see a mouth like they did a full on creature design. Yes. Um, one thing that I did, kind of, and again, this is it's not a knock on the film, but more a curiosity as to the world. So we're led to believe that if you make a noise, aliens just show up. We're not sure how many there are or how quickly they can find you, but they will find you. And yet we hear birds. We see some wildlife. And so it is like, okay, are the well, aliens... What wildlife did you see? Uh, there were raccoons, well, one of which did get yeah. kind of smashed. There were also yeah. some possums, you know, and, and you hear birds. And so it's one of the yeah. things where it's like... Of course you can hear birds. Birds are flying around. But still, like, if these the creatures are fly. that fast... Like, they can't fly. What are you going to do? Uh, yeah. You ever try to catch a bird to go fly? <laughs> it's impossible. <laughs> I disagree. Birds. Yeah. Of course there would still be birds. So it was, just, it was interesting. That was uh, just something that... Because we did not really know exactly how much, you know, uh, John Krasinski's character, Lee, does write down, you know, some rough approximations. Uh, but I was like, okay, are they just out to feed on humans? And if so, how long can they last in this small area? Right. Um, uh, but they're not feeding on humans. I mean, then what are they feeding on they're not feeding on anything i don't know who knows they're not feeding on humans because there's a note in, in in the dad's office that says why aren't they eating why aren't they eating people yeah so they're not eating people they're just attacking them just uh, yeah maybe out of just uh instinct or noise it's the noise whatever the noise they seem like they have really really hyper hearing right so whatever the noise that things are making they need it to stop right so yeah that's what they're doing it's like an irritant. So uh, the the sound design, like I said, the score was pretty minimal, but exceptionally just eerie, and it fit really well. Uh, the ending of this, and I will not say what happens in the ending, but I think the ending will be kind of a deciding factor of where people lie with the movie. Because I think some people are going to think one way about the ending and be like, okay, you know, that might not be the ending to a horror movie that they were thinking i think other people like in my screening they were clapping 
You know, so yeah, I, I have it. I like the ending. It's a it's a clever ending. It, it no, I totally agree, and I I do think it yeah. is. But I think certain people who, you know, after seeing this horror movie, that might not be the ending that they might want. But I totally you, dug how it. How would you end it? Like I don't know how you would end the movie. Yeah, I hey, I I liked it, but yeah, I think yeah, that will be interesting to see. Uh, the <laughs> and I, I mean, the hardest part, like the part that I felt the audience reaction the most yeah there's a scene with a nail yeah i knew that was coming oh I man <laughs> like, i can't do that i can't do nope that kind of, i was just like i can't look which is just it cracks me up because i've talked about it before uh, one of my only fears are syringes or hypodermic needles like they something about it just completely weirds me out i have tattoos tattoo needles are fine but something about a syringe and so when this nail shows up the whole audience immediately is like, after seeing, yeah. you know, some other pretty vicious stuff. It's just, I mean, that stuff is all <laughs> fantasy. Right. But like, stepping on nails are real things that people. That's why it's so painful to watch. So, I mean, that was just, that was pretty funny in that yeah. so many people, oh, yeah. And that, that, that was rough. That was, that was easily one of the most tenseful, tense moments in the film for me. Yeah. And so... Uh, okay, so that was A Quiet Place. Uh, the rating system for this podcast, if this is your first time listening, there are only three choices. There are no grades, there are no stars or thumbs up or anything. There are just three choices, good, bad, or ugly. A good film is something that you would immediately recommend to somebody that you really enjoy. A bad right. film is something you were not over the moon about it, but it was not terrible. It was just kind of there. And an ugly movie is just avoid at all costs. So, with Tim Hall, the People's Critic, what do you yeah. give A Quiet Place, directed by John oh, Krasinski? It's a good. Um, I, you know, I really want people. You know, a few of my friends um, don't like scary movies, mm-hmm. so I'm trying to pitch it to them as a movie that's not super scary but very intense because it's not really scary. There's a couple jump scares, but mm-hmm. it's not really like a horror horror film. Uh, but definitely worth seeing. So it's something that if you're not into heavy horror films, it's you know it's something you can watch. There's no you know no spirits, no nothing. It's just alien invasion and people trying to survive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I had somebody. I had Era, actually, my friend Era and listener, reach out to me and she asked me when she knew I had seen it. She was like, "So answer me this: Are they demons?" And I was yeah, like, "Yeah, I've had a couple people ask me that." Yeah, and I was like, "No?" Question mark. I was like, monsters slash aliens, yes, but demons, not really. And she was like, okay. She's like, I can deal yeah. with monsters and aliens. I just yeah. didn't want it to be demons. Right. Yeah. So I thought I thought that was interesting that, yeah, you and I both have had people ask about it. Um, yeah. You know, everyone has their limits of what they're, what they're okay watching. So I, I totally get that. Yeah. Uh, as for my rating for A Quiet Place... Totally a solid good. This is so far one of the best films of 2018. I think it is pretty crazy that in the past two years we have had a horror movie come out early in the year that has this much buzz and this much going for it, both from first-time directors especially, and they're both original ideas, which is also amazing. There's a lot of original, or, sorry. There's a lot of original <laughs> ideas in horror films. Mm-hmm. A lot. Yeah. Have you ever seen The Collector? Uh the one with uh, Wesley Crusher. 
Is that who's the, the guy's name? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Will Wheaton. No, I don't think Will Wheaton's in, in the collector. In the collector? I thought he was. No. Mm. no. Let me pull that up. No, it's not Will Wheaton. <laughs> the collector. There's like five people in that movie and none of them are Will Wheaton. I thought for sure he was in one of those. Uh, Juan Fernandez, Josh Stewart, Andrew Roth. Hmm, I'm not seeing Will Wheaton. Yeah, there's no Will Wheaton in that movie. What movie am I thinking? I thought... I have no idea what you're talking about, <laughs> but The Collector is a really interesting... So if you're into horror films, The Collector mm-hmm. is a really good film about uh, this guy who gets... Um, he's trying to get some money for his, his... He's fresh out of prison. He's trying to get money for his, his ex or his wife and their kid, and these mobsters guys come to him and say, hey, you've been staking out this house for a while while the family's on vacation, just go, you know, steal this thing from us from the safe. Mm-hmm. So when he shows up in the house, thinking they're on vacation, the family's actually in there, and they're being tortured by this crazy person. Mm. He's got, like, booby traps and, like, crazy stuff all around the house, and he's torturing the family. And so he, the guy who came to rob them is now tasked with trying to find their young daughter and get her out of the house. It's mm. great. It's fun, cool concept, original story. Uh, you know, a home invasion gone absolutely wrong. Uh, it's worth worth your time. It's about ninety minutes. Okay, I found the whole thing on YouTube. You can find it on YouTube. The whole um, thing. The whole thing. The whole thing. <laughs> wow. But it, it was just on like Showtime the other day. Uh, I was watching it. So if you have Showtime, if you're a Showtime subscriber, it's probably popping up. Yeah, I remember when it so. came out. Other than think that Will Wheaton was in it for whatever reason, I feel like that is an odd thing. <laughs> I feel like he was in, was in something along. Anyway, whatever. I I will go down that rabbit hole later. Um, it looked very Saw ish. Not not even close. Okay. Way more compelling. Way more interesting. And a lot more terrifying. Hmm. Okay. And a, and a really a great ending to the movie too. It's a fantastic ending. Interesting. All right. I will take your word for it, and I will definitely try and check that out. Uh, so, yeah, we both gave A Quiet Place a good, definitely go see that movie. Uh, the next movie on the list is Beirut, which wow, you saw uh, that. I saw that. Uh, Tim did not. <laughs> nope. Uh, the synopsis from IMDb. Caught in the crossfires of civil war, CIA operatives must send a former U.S. diplomat to negotiate for the life of a friend he left behind. Uh, this movie stars John Hamm, Rosamund Pike, uh, one of my favorite underrated actors, Mark Pellegrino, is in this. Uh, Dean Norris, who most people know from like Breaking Bad, uh, yep. he is in this wearing a toupee. That's not smart. And it is weird. <laughs> like it, it makes no sense. This movie takes place. All right, so let me let me try and set it up a little bit better. Yeah, movie takes place. Uh, in the 80s, in Beirut, uh, right before a lot of changes started happening in the region. Anybody okay. who has done any sort of research with the Middle East, it is constantly changing. Uh, sometimes it is evolving. Sometimes it is just devolving into more chaos. That region has been fluctuating for thou- literally thousands of years. Okay, And so... When he is first a U.S. diplomat in Beirut, it was when things were much better. Uh, they had a good relationship with the U.S. Everything was... Wait, who, who, who's a diplomat? Uh, John Hamm. Okay. Uh, so he's a diplomat, and things are good. Like, he lives in this nice house. There are, you know, fancy things going on. And then uh, 
something happens, and I will not go into kind of what happens because it is a catalyst for the movie. Something happens, people are hurt and killed, and he bounces. And he comes back to the U.S., never wants to think about Beirut again, never wants to go back again, gets, of course, pulled back again after, I think, like 10 years is what it, how much time passed in the movie. In that time, they have had a brutal civil war in the country. And so by the time he gets back, everything is different. It looks different. The people are different. The attitudes are different. And he has to kind of adjust to that as well as helping this hostage negotiation with one of his former colleagues. So one of the things I found interesting with this movie, so Rosamund Pike is in this movie, which takes place in the Middle East, having to do with Israeli refugees and Israeli politics in the 80s. She was just in Seven Days in Entebbe, which had to do with the Middle East and Israeli refugees in the 70s. Mm-hmm. So she just trying to knock out a bunch of decades. You know, you never know when these movies <laughs> were made. No idea when these movies were I mean, made. I mean, I did look into they it. They happen to come out back to back. <laughs> yeah, I did look into it. Beirut apparently was filmed a while ago and kind of got pushed back a little bit. Yeah. It does just kind of, it is interesting. And it, she has no control over this. So, I mean, I'm not no, faulting her. But none. it just... It is interesting that she has two movies with very, very similar themes about 10 years apart, you know, and about a month apart in movies. So, I mean, this movie, some of the things I wrote down with it, it was interesting. Unlike Seven Days in Entebbe, which is based on a true story and they could throw in some news clips, they could throw in Walter Cronkite and talking about it. This is, as far as we know fiction you know and yes there were real things going on similar to this back then and now but it was not necessarily based on one thing which made it even more weird that at the end of this movie right before the credits it starts showing real clips of like ronald reagan talking about the middle east and talking about what was going on at that time and it was like why like if, if you were doing a fiction movie and then at the very end, you throw in some archival footage being like, see, some stuff did go down. Like, we know it went down. Like, what? It was just kind of weird to have that thrown in there for no reason. So that was that was just a weird choice. Um, uh, let me see what else. Uh, Rosamund Pike. Ham, John Ham was good. He okay. Nobody felt challenged in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, all of the actors felt like they were just doing their job, which is, you know, it, it is they, they were doing a good job at it, but nobody felt challenged. I mean, it almost felt like John Hamm's character could have been a progression of his character from Mad Men. Mad Men. Gotcha. <laughs> like, he, he was now a drunk, but he was this negotiator. So, of course, he has a bunch of charisma and a bunch of charm. So it just it was kind of weird. Uh, overall, it sounds boring. Yeah, overall it was just kind of mundane. Yeah, um, like a snooze fest. <laughs> I think this movie is a fictional story about a situation that was really happening that they didn't really tell a true story, and then they attach real news footage to it to almost make it seem real. Black. Yeah, I mean, I get trying to give context to what happened, but it just you know. But if anything, if they had shown that clip in the beginning of the movie. To kind of yeah. set up what was happening in the region totally would have made sense. And it would have really led into the story because it would have been world building 
at the end, it was just like, hey, this fantasy scenario that was based on real stuff. Here's Ronald Reagan talking about some stuff that happened around that time. Right. So I feel like this movie will play well with like the TNT TBS crowd yeah. in like six months. Right. Some uh, mystery to watch. Yeah, I, I mean, so and and I was there were only a few of us at this press screening, <laughs> and surprise, surprise, yeah, I could definitely see see why. Um, but it looked interesting. It was interesting. It was just mundane. So that one is a quick review because. It, just watch it in a few months if you want to on TV. <laughs> uh, my my official rating for it, it was bad. Like, it was not ugly. Like, the people were, all the actors were good in it. It did have some intense moments in this negotiation, in this kind of spy thriller. Gotcha. But overall, it was just, it was just kind of boring. So, it gets a bad, uh, and that is Beirut. Moving on to a movie that has way more hype behind it. Uh, Ready Player One. Ready Player One, yeah. Lay it on us, Tim. <laughs> Loosely based on the book of the same name. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ready Player One thrusts all of us into the Oasis. Uh, it's a virtual reality game that most of the world is playing because near 2045, the world is pretty much in the pits. So most people spend time on the Oasis. Uh, the creator of the Oasis dies and leaves three challenges to mm-hmm. compete and if you can pass all three challenges you get the literal easter egg and you win trillions of dollars of his monies right and control the oasis literally so the, the kid, keys to the kingdom like the company everything actual literal keys <laughs> mm-hmm. um and so wade wade is wade a Watts. young poor kid living in the snack living in the stacks <laughs> in columbus ohio mm-hmm and so he he figures out the first clue so that puts him and his friends in a leaderboard and you have this evil company called IOI, um, and their evil sort of CEO dude led by Ben Middleton. Ben Middleton, what's his what's the guy's name? He has a name in the movie. Uh, uh, Nicholas Sorrento, but Ben Sorrento. Mendelsohn. Ben I Mendelsohn. love that guy. <laughs> uh, so Sorrento is like you know Vince McMahon on steroids, and he's <laughs> he's after Wade and his friends and trying to stop them from solving the puzzles before he does mm-hmm. so, so it's it's you know kid versus evil empire for control of another empire it's like yep. an 80s movie it really is and similar to other 80s movies this trailer i i mean jess and damien from the curly nerd podcast have a rule where they only do one trailer you know or if they can avoid the trailer they will completely yeah, the trailers for this movie for Ready Player One were very much like '80s trailers in which it laid out everything, like everything that happened in the movie. Almost major was in the trailer, and even after seeing like the one main trailer, the whole time in the movie, I'm like, oh, well, if it was not this key that I saw in the trailer, it must be this one. So that was just kind of weird. Did you get a sense well, of that? No, because I don't really think the, the movie was trying to hide anything. I think it's, yeah, true. it's a straightforward <laughs> action movie based on a book that people kind of already know what happens. Um, I think the thing that trailers do a disservice to is how amazing it is visually, which is hard true. to capture on a phone or on a laptop. So when you're in the big screen, uh, whether, it's be the, whether it's the opening racing sequence or the, the second sequence where they're trying to get the key and have to go into this horror movie. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, that was... Um, 
incredible. incredible. Um, or even like the final big battle on on uh, Planet Doom. Mm-hmm. Like all of that looks different on a gigantic movie screen than it does on a phone or a laptop. So yeah, and um, because of Damien, I went out on a limb because I missed the press screening for this. So I I decided to be. Uh, proactive in supporting the industry in which I report on, and I purchased a ticket. Yeah. Um, and because of Damien, I specifically saw this in 3D. Okay. And I generally am not, I still am not super sold on 3D. Some of it does better than others. This one did a really good job. Like, I feel like if I had seen it in 2D, it still would have been really impressive. Yeah, I saw it in 2D and it was still super impressive. Yeah. Uh, the 3D, I mean, there were a couple, you know, kind of, whoa, moments, but you know, nothing kind of super crazy, but the horror, uh, I guess, stage, you know, in this movie, that sequence was one of my favorites. It was one of the most compelling and just edge of your seat moments in this movie. Yeah, it was was pretty great. It was, it was smart and, um, really sort of inventive in a way that I didn't expect the movie to be. Mm Mm-hmm. Because um, it's got some of the Spielberg stuff. The, the one thing, you know, I was saying this and I was on the Curly Nerd podcast talking about this, that it was odd seeing a Spielberg movie with so much CGI stuff because he's, yeah. he's really good at the human moments. Mm-hmm. And so to watch a movie where he's got this, you know, everything sort of sort of takes place in the Oasis. So uh, there aren't a lot of human moments to pull emotion from. Mm-hmm. Even at the end, that awkward conversation is like, yeah. it's not really emotional, but... I feel like I should be moved, but I'm not. I just kind of am, you know. <laughs> Instead of overwhelmed, you're just whelmed. Yeah, yeah, yeah and overwhelmed. But yeah, yeah. I mean, he, you know, whether it be Jaws or E.T. or Jurassic Park, like, he's able to find those moments, and there was none of that, not none of that in this movie, not that it harmed it, that it, it just wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one other thing that I I continue to be surprised by is how many movies are really pushing the boundaries of PG-13. Like, this movie... Uh, I mean, it was not the violence, because it was all, like, CGI. The cursing in this movie, especially... I mean, yes, the MPAA does allow one F-word per PG-13 movie, but I still am, am shocked when they actually do it, because I'm like, in a movie like this that so many families are going to see, that was really surprising and it it, it kind of took me out of it for a minute it was a cool yeah. moment in the movie but they've was... been doing that for a while it's just, you know it's the mpaa it's, it's all a crapshoot like they can't really explain why stuff is one way and stuff's the other way mm-hmm. it's just yeah yeah they're a joke now what did you think of the actual cast in this movie so you have ty sheridan playing wade uh olivia cook uh lena waith um as well, as as a person, I will not say who, you know, in case people still want to see it. Um, yeah, what did you think of the of the cast in this? Um, they were fine. I mean, it's just there's so many of the moments are spent inside the Oasis. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they were fine as humans, but we don't get a lot of interaction with them as human people, except for way. But even in that, it's minimal. Yeah, and that was something that, again, I felt like it was just kind of weird because it did not give you much to connect with. And oh no, Ty Sheridan, he he is a bit wooden uh, when he is actually speaking in his human voice and human face, and that was just kind of you know when you're seeing this animated character who's over the top with all this confidence, right? 
and then you see Ty Sheridan, and I get that he needs to do that dichotomy because, like a lot of people, your online persona is totally different than who you are in real life. I just found his real person, Wade, just boring. Um, or not boring, I mean, just, just a bit wooden. But I think I think that's the entire point of the movie is like people going to the oasis to be whoever they want to be, and they when he. When it opens and ways to explain the Oasis, that's part of his explanation is that people come in here and they do whatever they want to do. Yeah. So he's this sort of quiet, wooden dude in real life, this poor kid. But in the Oasis, he gets to be Percival and sort of kind of be the man. Yeah. Um, I love He does all that stuff. For sure. I loved Simon Pegg in this. I loved Mark Rylance in this. Mark Rylance. Rylance I mean, was great. he was so good. Uh TJ Miller did the voice of one of the characters, and that was great. Uh, uh, I don't know if it was great. I think, it, I think it was just funny because, again, he took that same dichotomy we were talking about, you know, where he is this huge character, but for the most part, he has his TJ Miller just voice and persona the whole time. And I just thought it was funny. He's, yeah, he, he's the one person without a human moment for a reason. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's got his own little Me Too issues that popped up. Uh, oh, does he really? Uh, yeah. Ooh, I it's did not pre- know about those. It's pretty nasty. Yeah, it's not good. Um, that okay? Well, skipping past so, him, uh, Ben Mendelsohn. No, no, I'm just saying. So, so that's so that's why when you see it, you know, I didn't know this until Joy uh, pointed this out because she saw she saw it at South by, and she was saying in her coverage on it, she was saying that. Everyone, so everyone shows up at the screening except for him. Mm. Like, even Spielberg is there, and like which he's is rare. The only person without, yeah, right. Spielberg shows up, and he he doesn't. He's the only person without a real human moment in the film, uh, and that's probably why he's in none of the promos, none, no posters, no nope. nothing. He's yeah, like, not a nothing. Interesting. I didn't even know he was in the movie. Neither did I. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Neither did I. And so when I heard his voice, I was like, oh, this is kind of fun. But yeah. that definitely, yeah, there's a reason. Uh, yep. Ben Mendelsohn, he has kind of a weird lisp in this. Does uh, he? Yeah, he has, a, he has an interesting way of talking, almost like he had dentures or some like dental work yeah. done. But he plays the maniacal businessman to a right. T. Yeah, he's pretty great. So uh, I really like that. Uh, now, what did you think, or not what did you think, but which kind of cameo? Because this is a nostalgia overload pretty much any licensed property you could think of in the geek world was in there somewhere what was the most surprising one or what was the one that gave you the most kind of uh fun trip down nostalgia um i mean they don't really spend time with this stuff. oh i know but like just the one that like you did you see anybody in the in the background of a fight scene or in other scenes nah, i didn't really notice too much of it Okay, well, I will talk about mine then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there was Marvin the Martian for like a quick second. Uh-huh. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, Spawn was in there and like the big battle sequence for a quick yeah. second. There is a reason that when this book came out, even when it was optioned for a movie a long time ago, that nobody was touching it because they were like, do you know how much money this is going to cost? Even if we put in that licensed character for one second... It is going to cost a ton of money. But more so than the money, just the ability to make it. Yeah. Like, I don't know if that ever exists, your ability to make that film. Like, I don't know if the technology existed for you to make it the way, where it looks sharp and clean and, you know, the racing sequence doesn't look super cluttered. Mm -hmm. Um, You know what I'm saying? Like, 
there's so many tools now at Spielberg's disposal that you can make a movie like this. You couldn't do that seven years ago. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, yeah. Overall, your rating for Ready Player One. What you got? Ready Player One is a good, man. It's a, it's a fun movie. It's now without its faults. Mm-hmm. Uh, people sort of breaking down how kind of ridiculous the whole thing is and sort of the Gamergate culture stuff that pops up. Um, mm-hmm. All that. like it's That's all very understandable i still happen to enjoy the film you know despite some of that craziness that sort of surrounds it but mm-hmm. yeah, i thought it was fun okay it was a lot of fun like really well well made well paced well balanced film yeah uh that, i mean you definitely touched on one of the things that i was going to talk about which is spielberg definitely introduces some kind of bigger issues whether it is right. acceptance or whether it is gamergate or whether it is right. you know and so he touches on them but so many of them just disappear. Yeah, the, that's not the movie. They kind of touch on it. Like when, when H and Percival are having that conversation about meeting people off the internet mm-hmm. and being yourself and all that, you never know who you're meeting. Like that's an important conversation to have. Yeah. <laughs> but it's sort of just, you know, sandwiched in between a bunch of funny jokes. And that's the kind of the last we hear of it. Yeah. I mean, how many seasons of Catfish are they on right now? Like six or seven? Yeah. And so, yeah. so yeah, that, that was kind of one of when I left the theater, that was what I was thinking about also is they touch on some stuff, but such surface level (laughs) that it was almost wasted. Um, But yeah, my overall impression of it, my overall rating, it gets a good, uh, it definitely has some faults The the swearing, I mean, maybe I'm just getting to be a prude old man when it comes to these PG 13 movies, but it would just, that was surprising, especially when I think about one of the biggest things with a quiet place that impressed me after the movie. This is a PG 13 horror movie. There has not been a good, let alone a great PG 13 horror movie in a very, very long time. So the fact that they were able to do a horror movie, PG 13 and have it be intense and scary. And there were a couple moments of gore or a couple moments that you see some pretty nasty stuff, but that was it. And then you look at, Ready Player One, which is like super glitz and glamour at PG-13, and there were more things in this that I was like, oh, they can do that in a PG-13 movie? Yeah. Again, it's 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 a crapshoot. I mean, there's supposedly a list and blah, 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 but it's it's whatever. Nothing yeah. really makes sense. So, alright, cool. So, two goods for Ready Player One. Last movie on the docket for this episode. Oh, God. <laughs> It's the one that we literally just saw like an hour ago. Uh, the movie is Rampage. Yeah. Uh, the video game adaptation from the 80s. Oh, gosh. Uh, directed by Brad Payton. Now, <sighs> we we grew up playing games in the, in the 80s yeah. and the 90s. A lot of those video games have zero plot because they did not need to have a plot. It was like hey, do this thing, go on to the next level, do that thing. That was it. And it was a blast. So why would you take a movie like Rampage, which had no discernible plot at all, and turn it into a movie that is almost two hours long? I get two reasons why you do that. Ooh, okay, go ahead. The Rock. <laughs> that is your reasoning for it. The Rock and Dwayne Johnson are the two reasons. You, you can, you can, see The Rock can sell, you know, 
but he was in Doom. Anything. He was in one of the not well, one of the early first, Rock. That's uh, before Rock took off. Now he's now he's the Rock. Now he's on People Magazine. Yeah, on true. Rolling Stone. He's that guy now. Uh, he's a much he's a worldwide star. Yeah, he's global. So yeah. you take a chance on a he, global star. He is all right. So this is the premise of Rampage the movie, not Rampage the game, mind you. Rampage the movie. Uh, the Rock, aka David John or David Johnson. David Johnson. <laughs> David a football player. Go ahead. <laughs> I just want to disrespect him, you know, like that. Dwayne Johnson yeah. plays Davis Okoye. Uh, he is a primatologist who has a very special bond with. Wait, real quick. Can we talk about him giving him an African name? Call him Okoye. Yeah. Because The Rock has been pretty richly ambiguous in most of his movies, so they gave him a strong African name. Go ahead. Right. Even with all of his Polynesian tattoos. Yeah. Um, so. He is a primatologist who formed a very special relationship and uh, familiarity with an albino gorilla named George, which he rescued from poachers when it was an infant ape. Uh, along comes this chemical. And again, like this is all in the trailers. <laughs> along comes this chemical. It sprays George in the face along with a couple other creatures. They then turn into gigantic mutated versions of of other creatures at least the two of them do george just remains an ape which made no sense well well aaron made a good point afterwards she said that those other creatures were in their environments and so maybe they were picking up those traits or no. george is in an enclosed no i disagree because okay with the wolf which yeah. it gets it hits in wyoming yeah. The wolf is the only one that gets sprayed. There was nothing else around it because everything else ran away. When George goes after the thing, he gets sprayed and immediately goes into, not immediately, but ends up in a grizzly bear thing. So there are, I would argue that there are more animals around George than any of the other animals <laughs> because he is in a zoo or in a wildlife habitat. So. Yeah. Anyway, so these so these three yeah, animals. You're trying to make sense of this movie, and I don't understand <laughs> right. why. Why are you doing it? Like it, this movie is nonsensical. It's it makes it makes zero sense from the very very beginning when they're trying to. Ugh. Okay, let's let's take a step back. <laughs> okay. Wait, are you done with the plot of this movie? Um, essentially, monster or animals get mutated into monsters. Yeah. They get summoned to Chicago, downtown Chicago, where yeah. then they fight. Right, there so we go. The Rock and Jeffrey Dean Morgan, mm-hmm. and it's up against this. They're up against these two evil siblings who run this right. scientific company. Anyway, okay, so that's it. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the race to Chicago to stop the monsters, and of course, stop the government from blowing up the whole city. Right. At, or as someone put it later on in the movie, saving the world is what they did. Right? Like what? Just like whoa, that's a much bigger movie than what we just watched. Like they one of the one of the things. last lines in the movie, and again, this is definitely not spoiling just, anything. You just saved the world. Like, and it was, what? and even the characters are like, yeah, we did. It was like, what? What? No, you How? Just, you just said you saved a portion of a city. Not a, a barely a portion because oh god. <laughs> but right, this so, movie starts out really interesting. On the international, or not the, but an international space station. space station, and it looks like a scene from that movie Life. Where it was pretty much running around. There's a gigantic rat. Um, <laughs> the experiment's gone wrong. She gets mm-hmm. in the hatch. The hatch explodes, and the different canisters uh, of the research she was supposed to bring back is scattered across the globe, which is how George and these other mon- monsters get mutated. 
Right. Like but that. The science of this movie is bad. Oh my gosh. It's bad from the beginning. <laughs> yeah. And it only gets worse. Like when, what's his face who plays the evil boss lady? Uh, that would be Malin Ar- Ac- uh, Ackerman who plays Claire Wyden, <laughs> who is the epitome of like the 80s sniveling, like maniacal boss. That, that is so, so over. She explains the science for whatever beacon thing they have. Uh huh. There's like this walk and talk scene with her and her brother, <laughs> and she's explaining the science of it all, and it it just sounds like complete nonsense. Like mouth, my vomit of mm-hmm. like science words. Like she just was like, "I'm gonna vomit out as many scientific words as I know, and hopefully make sense of this." I was like, "Who wrote this? Who right. wrote this?" And thought, and first of all, why is that even a, a plot device? It's, it's well, a and what well, was crazy? So this walk and talk scene where she is explaining what they're going to do with these three giant monsters. Yeah, her plan is to summon them to downtown Chicago. Right, and she was like, and then they'll kill this one, and then we'll get a DNA sample. And then and it was like, was like what? And I then didn't know that. But and then the best part was she was like, oh, I had the guys in tech work this up last night. And she, like, opens this panel, plugs yeah. some stuff into a computer. This huge, like, satellite array comes out of nowhere. And it was like, yeah. oh, last night? You must right. have the you, best you team of engineers. Like, and even, it reminds me of, of Lex Luthor's plan in uh, Bat- and Batman, <laughs> Batman vs. Superman. It was like, your plan was to create a, a creature that destroys everything? How are you going <laughs> to stop this? Right. There's no off switch. Mm-mm. The, all, yeah, all she had was an on switch that drew them yeah. to the middle of downtown and, and then she wanted it. other people to kill them? Kill them, yeah. These instructable beings she created, she wants other people to kill them, and then they get the research and they survive. Okay, so that, that was dumb. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a scene in the beginning <laughs> of the movie that made me laugh so hard. Uh, George the Ape is going crazy. Yes. Right? He's still in San Diego Zoo, or whatever, San Diego Wildlife Preserve, or whatever he works at. Wildlife Rescue or something, yeah. Yeah. And... He breaks out of the cage. He pretty much like bursts through the wall like the Kool-Aid man mm-hmm. and starts running through the building. He gets outside and the rock tells his buddy, call 911. <laughs> right. right. So, But when they get to the parking lot, the rock is in his car. Mm-hmm. And he drives like 10 feet. 30 feet. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. hops out. Like, why did you get in your car? <laughs> he was closer the to the front door. At he that time, when he like street. ran yeah. to the back parking lot, drove around Got the building, car, drove around in front, just hop out and be like, "George, it's well, okay." I'm and then your the buddy, it's me. The cops David. show up, and he was like, "Wait, Dog, don't, why are you here?" So and it was like, quick. "What? <laughs> yeah, don't shoot him." And he's, he's my friend. There's a cop in a helicopter, luckily, who just happened to have a high-powered yeah. rifle with a bunch of tranquilizer oh, they darts in it. Down. They put like a hundred darts in that kid. <laughs> so that's just that's just dumb. And then. Can we talk about Jeffrey Dean Morgan? Oh man, because he's he's essentially playing Negan from yep. The Walking Dead, and I'm not. It sounds like hyperbole, and it no. sounds like a, a snarky comment. I swear to everything I love, mm-hmm. everything I love. It's he clearly left himself from The Walking Dead as Negan, <laughs> and was like, "I'm gonna be Negan, government agent Negan." Mm-hmm. Everything from his posture to his bad Southern accent. To the way he was chippy and like the way he was with the Rock is mm-hmm. the way Negan is with Rick. Uh, it was just like this is we're watching Negan, Government Agent Negan, and yeah. he's <laughs> and not only does Jeffrey Dean Morgan as his uh, 
character Agent Russell, not only does he chew the scenery, he uh-huh. chews it, he digests it, he craps yep. it out like, oh my god. Like he, like my grandpappy used to say. I'm like, what are we doing right now? <laughs> well, yeah, the, I actually wrote down that quote. Uh, one of the quotes that he has. <laughs> like a God. wise man once said, two a holes have to have to stick together." I was no like, wise man said "What that. does that even mean?" <laughs> he, but he, he delivers these lines with so much confidence and so oh, much yeah. like charisma and swagger. <laughs> You're like. This is supposed to be cool, but it's it's not, guys. It's not working. And his character is Agent Russell. Yeah. Yet nobody knows, like, agent of what? Agent of what? <laughs> what, do you have, what do you have a name for other government agencies, OGA? OGA? Like, and he carries uh, this, like, shiny pistol with a big belt buckle. And he, he calls yeah. himself Cowboy all the time. All the time. <laughs> and other people Cowboy. Um, the, the, uh, the funny thing, it has one of my favorite tropes in it, which is... The, the people bringing the civilians into the situation room for the military as if right. they would somehow be allowed in that room. Ever. Yeah. Not even in yeah. the building. Yeah. Not even that close. Like, you gotta wait outside. And then, of course, they bring them in there only to then be like, we have the FBI has questions for you. Get out of here. And it was like, get out of here. How uh, did you let them in, in the first place? Yeah, why are they even in the room? Oh, yeah. man. It's so bad. Um, uh, That was weird. Oh, what what's the name showed up for a little bit? Uh, what, Who? Joe Magnano. Oh yeah, Joe Manganiello. Manganiello. Um, as soon as he showed up, he pops up. Yo, his opening scene. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, I'm no NRA member, right? Oof. But but when they intro him, Mm -hmm. they're talking about what 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 he what's the thing they had for those guys? Uh oh, Uh, killers are us, and he's the us. He's the us, (laughs) right? Remember those those contractors we bought? You call them killers are us. He's yes. Then they cut to him driving in the pickup truck. Mm-hmm. You know, very badass shot of the truck pulling up. Right. But when he opens the door, he has the gun in his hand. <laughs> right. Like yeah, because he puts it in the holster when he sta- when he gets out. It's just in his hand as he opens the door with a gun in his hand and holsters it and walks like, "Wow, what were you doing in the car?" And in that one hundred feet that he walks from the truck to the helicopter, yeah. a guy hands him a big rifle. Yeah, he he touches gun. it. And then he hands it off to a different guy, and it was yeah. like, "There's just like <laughs> gun porn for like 45 seconds." I was like, "What I thought was the funniest part <laughs> is like an NRA wet dream right now." They're oh, just for sure, massive guns. Uh, uh, did you notice? No did you notice one of the other people in that helicopter? Who was in there? Uh, Uriah Faber, who no, was a former WEC and then also UFC champion fighter. He is in this helicopter as part of this unit. As soon as I yeah. saw him, I was like, "All right, he is going to die in thirty seconds." Yeah, these people are going to die. And like, everyone, was, these are all death missions for everybody <laughs> in this movie. But what, the craziest part about that is like, all right, when you see these special forces guys, and it starts with Joe Manganiello, low, 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 yeah. uh, who is like six four and all muscle. Yeah. Uh, Uriah Faber was a featherweight. He is yeah. five four and like a buck forty five. He's like, got a gun. What are bro. you doing? He's got a, he's got a massive <laughs> cannon. Like, uh, it was I, the weirdest be, thing. Be honest about this movie, a lot of people die. Oh it's man, a lot. Horrific. It's a lot of. There's a lot of. Which again, death at the end that is so stupid. <laughs> this is PG thirteen and does not make sense. No, you know what death I'm talking about. Yes, <laughs> none of it makes sense. It's where I almost threw my hands up in the air and was like, "This movie is. Out of, it's on another level of stupid." Mm-hmm. Um. So none of the science really worked. They don't really no. explain it well. Um, 
they've got in Naomi Harris plays like an, a, a doctor who used to work for this company and the way she figures things out, she's either Rain Man or she's got like cliff notes in her head because she's just solving stuff like immediately. Uh, except okay, like, the oh, things that it she solves. Signal. How do you know? What to, how would you know? That? Like, why, why is that the first thing your brain goes to? Right, it's a signal. But Angie tries to. She tries to access programs and things at a place where you do Yo. not work. Like that scene what did she you try to open the door and she's disappointed that her ID doesn't right. work? It's like you went to prison. You were fired. <laughs> you went to prison for a, a year and a half. Yeah, I'm sure your ID doesn't work anymore, fam. I'm sure it does. And she looks so disgusted. I'm like, did they did they add that dialogue later? I oh man. You know what okay, you know what makes sense? Mm-hmm. At one point in the script she was an employee and they went in and changed it. Because all of her actions, she she's acting like someone who worked there. When she grabs right. that iPad and is like flipping through stuff, I'm like, you don't work here. <laughs> how do you know how any of this works right now? And this is a, a like a top tier, you know, technology, biotechnology yeah. lab. They change stuff all the time. Imagine just going into most jobs that you quit yeah. or were fired from two years ago and being like, oh, yeah, this should still be in this room. And this how? Yeah. <laughs> like, how do you know? So I think because I think they added that they must have changed that dialogue because if the movie makes sense, if we're to believe she still works for the company, I but they've got that turn where you know, <laughs> and her and Rock have that weird heart to heart in the cornfield mm-hmm. uh, that for no reason, really go, for no reason, <laughs> like standing on top of a burning plane, like having a full on conversation. Um, uh, and and on top or along with that burning plane, <laughs> uh, yeah. Jeffrey Dean Morgan is like <laughs> Littlefinger in season four of Game of Thrones. This He's dude teleports. Man. Everywhere, oh, no scratch on him. No, no, it was like, up. like how did you get to Chicago so fast? <laughs> and not only in Chicago, you were in the building. You're in the like, building, and then he shows up in the cornfield. He shows up in the military base. He shows up no, after all this chaos. When, when they're parachuting out of that plane, and he wakes up. Right. <laughs> like, this movie is bonkers. Yeah, it is beyond repair. Um, it is. <laughs> It also right, had, talking about how the coolest thing about it was the monsters. Like the wolf was really cool. The owl, right, these are all cool creatures. Mm-hmm. And the ape was fun. George was a good guy. Right, but man, the, the, <laughs> the, everyone thing around everything around it was such. It was so it, it doesn't feel connected. It isn't like a fluid story. No. It doesn't feel none of it really makes no sense. Uh, the characters make dumb decisions. They're mm-hmm. really, it's unintentionally funny. Like these, these things that we laughed at weren't not weren't, they were not comedic moments. No, it's just, it's just someone explaining science in a movie. Like that's not how that works. Like yeah, um, I wh- know this is not this is not how it works. And you're you're trying to sell me is like this is what these smart science people think is happening. Yeah, and when it came when it comes to George, because again, you talked about the you know the CGI and that the creatures looked good. What I found perplexing, so you have George, this gigantic, even when he was a normal size, seven feet, 500 pounds, the sound design sucked. He never felt like he had any weight to him. And it was like, you know, to take Black Panther for an example, when you look at, or Tom Hardy from, you know, Batman, there is a way to give people weight with the sound design, the way they walk, the way they move. George is this giant gorilla, and nothing felt real. Nothing felt tactile uh, until they started yeah. smashing into buildings. 
But anytime the actual characters had to interact, it there, there was just nothing. Um, it also had one of my favorite 80s tropes, which is, okay, we have a stealth fighter that is oh, going God. to drop a yeah. bomb, and we are flying 500 feet above the city. Yeah. Like, stealth fighters fly at 50,000 feet of elevation for a reason, so that you cannot see them. And in this movie, it reminded me of... Uh, Oh, what was the uh, Steven Seagal train Under Siege 2? Yes. Where, oh, like, God. a stealth fighter is literally, like, 10 feet above the train about to blow it up. And it was yeah, like... Yeah, I forgot about that. Why are you flying so low? Like, it was just... Oh, man. But... It was a mess. Here's the thing. You and I both love dumb movies. We we yeah. We can enjoy dumb movies. We can enjoy funny movies. Mm-hmm. This is one where it was so dumb... Yeah. But still kind of enjoyable. <laughs> kind of entertaining. I mean, surprisingly entertaining. This fight, how dumb it is at every turn. Mm-hmm. It's it's pretty entertaining. The Rock can, you know, can carry a film. Yeah. Uh, Naomi Harris is fine. The over-the-top yeah, she is. Are, they are what they are. Um, so it works on that <laughs> level. And then also the monster fight stuff is okay. Except for George the murderer. I don't know how to yeah. the past. Yeah, is a murdering <laughs> in a in, a, in one of the point, like, weirdest points of the yeah. movie. Yeah, he's a murderer, guys. Um, let's, not, let's not applaud him now because he's not got a conscience. It did he's only have, and I was impressed with this because in a movie like this, they easily could go overboard. It only had two overt, like blatant product placement moments. Yep, um, <laughs> which I mean, it served no purpose whatsoever, except that company was like. Uh, sure. We'll give you X, you know, amount of thousands of dollars just to show us for like two seconds. Um, wow. two, two things. Yeah. Two questions rather. Sure. In the beginning, when we were getting mm. to know, uh, Davis Okoye, <laughs> and, and we know, and we hear how much he loves animals. We hear yeah. about his dogs more yes. than once. Mm-hmm. We never see it. Where are his dogs? Edit out the movie. Gotta edit them out. Wait, there were things edited out of this movie? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think I think they edited around a lot of Naomi Harris's characters involvement with the company. Um they edited a lot of some of the fight stuff. Oh man. <laughs> so that that was one question is where are his dogs and also where is his original team? <laughs> I would want those people on my team. Those people were they were useless. One I mean, a couple of them at least knew kind of what was going on nah, but those people were not worth your time yeah um and then the last thing that it reminded me of as far as 80s tropes so we have the rock who is this gigantic man who is a primatologist and animal lover oh did we forget to mention he also used to be special forces <laughs> and it was like yes soldiers have careers after the military but that just it reminded me so much of the so yeah this giant man, primatologist, ex-special forces. <laughs> right, right. You know, what did he say? He had all this stuff redacted. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Jeffrey Dean Morgan, <laughs> who works for some clandestine organization, but suddenly he cannot access oh, military records. Gosh. Just on the fly. Like, how did he get all their history? He meets them. He shows up. <laughs> he meets them and all of a sudden has a full jacket on everybody. Mm-hmm. And the way that he approached it, he was like, Mr. Davis Okoye. Yeah. Primatology. And it was like, dude, how long <laughs> is this going to take? Why are you doing this? 
Uh, I don't even know what kind of movie we were watching. No, There's a lot of things <laughs> happening in the movie. Uh, lots of death. Gordon's mm-hmm. a murderer. Yep. I will go to my grave with that one. He's a murderous animal. Uh, mm-hmm. and in the rocks an enabler. Uh, yeah, for sure. He's enabling like, monstrous friend to murder people. When the guys that that's still his friend. When that thing happened that we are referencing that George did, yeah. nobody says anything. No one doubted her decision no one was like i don't think you should do it she was like nope here you go boop yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, we're just gonna murder people that's what we're doing right now yeah oh man this movie is relentless <laughs> from beginning to end it is just relentless it's in such, its absurdity it's, it's so poorly written and so laughable in spots that aren't supposed to be funny it is it's everything you want from a movie based on a <laughs> mildly popular video game right no real plot to it it's you get that i like how they like evacuated chicago oh man first of all (laughs) chicago Chicago has what two million people or something like like and they're like oh we evacuated 50 percent of downtown chicago yeah no they've got Um, another favorite trope was the military boss who doesn't listen to, to the people who know better oh yeah of course i've got my plan i'm gonna stick to it and then his plan of course does not work yeah, of course. Um, he has to revert to their plan. Here, okay, here is something that, out of all the things that do not make sense with this dumb movie, right? with the, the evil twins, the siblings who run right. this company, who God. created this rampage virus, did you notice what was in their office? No. It was an arcade cabinet for Rampage the Video Game. <laughs> in Stop. the office, you know in the movie up. called I'm Rampage. Making it up. This has been your last episode. I mean, as soon as I saw that, I was like, I did not notice that. I I noticed it immediately, and I was like, so wait, you created this rampage pathogen that creates monsters that you in your office? Oh my gosh! (laughs) It was just it was too much. Layers upon layers of dumb stuff. (laughs) Right? Wow! Just wow! So yeah, yeah. (laughs) To the rating system. What do you give Rampage, directed by, uh, who directed? Brad Payton, who has done a bunch of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, what, what do you give What do you give Rampage? You know, as much as we joked on this movie, it's a bad. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's still wildly entertaining. It's just, you can't take this movie seriously. you got to go in, like, <laughs> this is the dumbest movie I've ever seen, because it is so dumb and all over the place. Uh, so if you watch it or your kids watch it, just know it is, it is pretty stupid. Mm-hmm. And, you know, nothing super redeemable about it other than, like, the small pieces with the rock and that. But, yeah, yeah. it's pretty dumb. Yeah. Um, pretty dumb. I 100% agree with you. The reason this gets a bad and not an ugly, because unlike Transformers, which is exceptionally dumb... This one at least was fun to watch. Yeah. Like Transformers the last night. Oh god. You, you heard us talk about it last year. Tim and I are sitting in the theater literally getting angry watching this movie. Yeah. Being like why are we here right now? Yeah, we started doubting our life choices. Yeah. But yeah. this one as dumb as it was it was like okay, this is dumb. It is also a video game movie. Yeah. Like I mean, and, and you know what's leading up to the big like monster fight. Of so course, kind of like the thing that's the sort of hanging out there is like it's leading up to that point. So 
you're you're patient enough to be like, okay, I'm gonna at least get to this big monster showdown <laughs> and see where that goes. Mm-hmm. So it strings you along just enough. Uh, but man, is it dumb? He, the, those points in between those strings are really dumb. Rough. And the, bad the, science, <laughs> bad plot, bad scripts. The same director uh, really likes working with The Rock because he directed San Andreas from 2015. At least San Andreas was like The Rock punching earthquakes. And that made more sense. He is directing San Andreas two. <laughs> these these. They remind me, you know, San Andreas had the same kind of stuff. Where like, with Paul Giamatti's character. Yes. Like going over the top in his little messaging. It, there's a lot of that <laughs> in Rampage. Where you're like, what is going on? Why are we even talking like this right now? Yeah. All the time. Who talks like Jeffrey Dean Morgan in this movie? Oh no, not God. a single human <laughs> being talks yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, Chewing and digesting every bit of scenery he was in. good. <laughs> and it, it, it'd be funnier if it wasn't like watching him be Negan. Right. That makes it that much more stupid. You're like, oh, you just... Went to a different movie set and tried the same thing and said, "Why this is cool? Yep. I'm going to be Negan again, but this time Negan versus monsters." Yep, pretty much. Yep. yep. Um, and apparently, The Rock is like bulletproof and harmproof because wow, he Whoa. gets th- he, <laughs> he gets thrown he, around, stabbed, he punched. Gets, he gets a pretty <laughs> vicious ailment towards the end of the movie mm-hmm. and just literally, acts like it never. Literally, happened, nothing. Though. It never gets mentioned again. When uh, it happens, you're like, oh my gosh, is he okay? And then right. he's just like, nope. I put some Robitussin on it, and I'm mm-hmm. up, I'm ready to go. Let me just put some Tussin. Uh, yeah, there we go. Oh, God. I and forgot it, about that scene. It would I was be, like, what? <laughs> and it would be one thing if he at least put a band, like, st- stuff some bandage in there. Yeah. Nope. Something, something, something. He's yeah. like, nope, I'm out. I'm good. I stretched it out. I'm all right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay, uh, the same director also did uh, Journey to... Journey to the Mysterious Island with The Rock. The Rock. You know what? Not a bad movie. I'm not going to judge it. Man. Not a bad movie. So, yeah, th- this uh, director-actor combination. Wow. Uh, all right. So, that, that was Rampage. Uh, so, for the reviews for this episode, uh, we talked about A Quiet Place, which, of course, got a good from both of us. I think it is one of the best movies so far of 2018. Yeah. Uh, Beirut, I gave a bad because it was just kind of blah and boring uh with some moments that were nice ready player one uh we both gave a good two uh rampage we both gave a bad two even mm. though it is super dumb it is not it is so dumb it is not dumb yes. enough to be an ugly because it was dumb but entertaining <laughs> yes it is but it is dumb let's not yeah oh no let's forget that it is it's pretty dumb absolutely Cool. Uh, all right. So, Tim Hall, what do you have on your docket coming up? What you working on? Um, we, I'm doing another, some more Made the 80s podcast. We're mm-hmm. doing, for this week, we're going to record episodes for Silver Bullet and Tron. Okay. You uh, guys just did uh, He-Man, which I have not listened to yet, but I'm <laughs> oh, excited to. God. He-Man didn't age well. Oh, no. Yes. I have been watching it on Netflix. Oh, no. Wowza. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty bad, man. Yeah, I, I I went in expecting to like it because I loved it so much as a mm-hmm. child. But man, nah. after that pilot episode, I was like, ugh. Well, and good. the weird thing about that is the pilot was not actually the pilot. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is some weird rearranging that they did. And so it just kind of assumes you know everything when it was like, uh, well, wait, what? Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, so that's like coming up a couple reviews, nothing crazy. Okay. Nice, nice. Uh, as for this podcast, the About to Review podcast, 
Uh, we are going to be working on a collaboration episode with Made in the 80s, or at least one member of the Made in the 80s uh, yeah. team. So we're still working on the details on that, so hopefully going to see that soon. Uh, I will be attending for the second year in a row the Vancouver Web Fest. So that will be uh, the weekend of the 19th through the 21st in Vancouver, British Columbia. I love Vancouver. Uh, I go up there a few times a year now to cover events for them. Every time I go up there, I meet amazing filmmakers, just actors, creators, directors that continue to inspire me because I follow their work after that. So, yeah, so that will be coming up for the About to Review podcast, the Vancouver Web Fest. Tickets are still available. And you can go to either just like the opening night party, you can go to some of the industry events that they have that weekend, or just to the screenings. Ton of fun. I loved it last year, and I was very uh, fortunate that they uh, extended the invitation for me to cover it again All this right, year. There you go. So, uh, yeah, so that about wraps it up for this episode of About to Review. Tim, where can people find you on social media? Uh, they can find me at thepeoplescriticblog.com. They can find me on Twitter, People's Critic. Uh, Instagram, Snapchat. Find me there. Mm-hmm. One of the only people still using Snapchat. Yes. You know, gotta, <laughs> gotta go down with the shit, man. Is it re- like how George! long? George. Oh, yelling God. randomly for no reason. George. Uh. Without okay, was George <laughs> like fifty percent of the Rock's dialogue was him just yelling George? Uh, yep. George. Twenty percent was twenty percent was sign language done. The fake, the fake sign language. Oh my language God, so fake. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and it, what, the sign language was so bad, it reminded me of, what was that movie from the 90s? Congo. Yes. Um, where every sign was the same thing, but it meant different stuff. And it was like, wait, what? You, you know what's funny? You know what makes it worse is that we just saw sign language in the quiet place. <laughs> right. It made sense. And yeah. And you watch the sign language, you're like, that's not real sign language, the rock. Right. And that was the other thing that a quiet place did really well, is the sign language that was in there, it might not be traditional ASL, but when you cast a deaf actress yeah. or actor in that role you at least give it that air of legitimacy where it's like yeah oh okay this person actually knows what they're doing it's like hey the monkey can flip people off this is funny. oh as soon as they did that joke the first time uh, knew, i leaned i leaned to my friend that. and i was like we're gonna see that again <laughs> gonna see it. it's gonna pop up one more time oh. <laughs> ridiculous uh cool and then as for the podcast you can find it on all forms of social media at about to review Make sure to uh, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your podcast platform of choice, be it Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Blueberry, uh, and you can stream the episodes directly from the website abouttoreview.com. If you want to support the show, click on the Amazon link below and go to the wish list and maybe pick up a binder uh, that I use all the time if you want to help out the show that way. Uh, and yeah, that that just about does it. So for, I feel like there's something I was missing and I'm looking at my notes and I was trying to remind uh, myself and I, I, so. I cannot see good. it. Uh, yeah. So if I think about it, I might put it in the show notes below. Uh, so for all of the guest information, definitely click the links below. So for this episode of the About to Review podcast, I have been joined by Tim, the people's critic. And I have been your host, that guy named John. We will see you next time. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.